Wow. Well, thanks for being here. We're going to jump in and get started. But I just want to say right off the bat, um, one, just like, I'm sorry that you're here. And not in the sense of like, how could you come here? But just like the fact that you're here to break out on grief and loss means that it's likely that one of two things is true of you. Um, either you're here walking through really deep grief and loss yourself, or you know somebody that is walking through deep grief and loss. And so want to say, I'm sorry that you're here, but also just want to say that we're really proud of you for being here and really uh, thankful that you chose to come. Because what that means is that you're choosing rather than running away from something hard, you're actually choosing to run towards something that's really hard and you want to process it well and you want to move towards it in a way that's going to uh, just be healthy for you, but honor God as well. And so thanks for being here. And so before you even just jump in, I just want you to hear from God what he says is true about you. Um, Psalm 34, 18, it's one of my favorite passages of scripture. And this is what's true about you today. If you're walking through grief, if you know somebody who's walking through grief, it says this, that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And so our prayer for you as we have just been thinking about this breakout is that you would leave this place with that feeling really tangible and that impacting you in a really profound way. Um, And so that's our hope for you today. Um, And so I guess before we jump in too much further, let me just introduce ourselves. So my name is Nick. Uh, This is Hannah Beth. This is Graham. And we have the privilege of leading Salt Company in Ames. And so that's who we are. We love Ames. Love you guys. Love you guys. Roll clones. Roll clones. Um, and so HB, maybe just tell us why is it that we're the ones up here talking about grief and loss? What yeah. are we doing up here? Yeah. So Graham is our salt director. We get to be associate directors. So fun. Um, but truth be told, we took those positions June one of this summer and we have never led together outside of incredible grief and loss and trauma. So, um, you might know, You might not, but this summer um, in Ames, we experienced a tragic event in our parking lot. It was the first somersault of the year, and two of our dearly loved students, Eden Montang and Vivian Flores, um, were tragically shot and killed in our parking lot. And we were outside, we watched it, we we, um, experienced the event, and So we have never um, led together outside of carrying um, incredible grief and loss. And so um, we got assigned to this breakout, not because we are experts by any means that we have had the greatest losses or carry the greatest grief, but we've been walking through it in Ames. And what makes me so um, mad is the way I feel and so... uh, heartbroken is that our Spartans have joined us in that place, in that really dark place of loss and grief, not just grieving people, which is so, um, yeah, overwhelming to carry, but grieving even the loss of innocence, the loss of what life was like, the loss of, there's just so many attached losses. Um, so that's, that's where, why we sit up here. Um, so here's our hope for this time. The way that I honestly have been thinking about visualizing and talking about my own grief and the grief I'm walking students through is that it's kind of like you're now just carrying around this big black backpack that's just like filled with a ton of bricks. That's how it's felt for me. That's how I've watched people. It's like you're just moving through life, but now you're going showing up to all the same places, but you sit down and you're like, and here's this 
huge, you know, black backpack filled with heaviness and things that, you know, people can help and people can come and walk alongside you. But ultimately you carry alone with God. Um, so our hope for this time is if that's true, what does it look like to carry grief and loss as someone who knows Jesus? What does it look like? How do you carry grief around with you? And secondly, how do you help someone else carry theirs? Because what I know about you is if you're in this room, you've experienced grief and loss. And if you're in this room, you know other people who are carrying their grief and loss. And how do you enter into theirs when grief is so unique, as unique as you are and as unique as the thing that you lost and your relationship to it? You can lose the same thing at the same time. We all lost Eden and Vivian in one evening but the way that we've carried that grief has been so unique to us. So how do you carry it on your own? And how do you help someone else carry theirs off the bat? There's two things that um, we want to say a note about um, comparative suffering and then a note about trauma. So first there is an idea that my counselor, Nancy obsessed with her, where would I be without you? If you're listening, I love you. Um, she, she is so, you know, in the counseling world and passes so many incredible ideas that counselors pass back and forth that she shared with me and taught me. So this is an idea that she passed along um, to me, but it's the idea of comparative suffering. Um, comparative suffering is the idea that, um, you know, I, my grief isn't as big of a deal if you're carrying a grief that's bigger. Who am I to feel sad and to feel lost and to struggle this much if you know, when we put it next to each other, your loss should be a bigger deal or, you know, um, you know, I, maybe sometimes we only think of grief, the grief that we hold space for culturally is death of a loved one. But what about, you know, or like a tragic death? What about if you are losing a friendship because someone's moving far away? What about if you're leaving college, like any seniors in the room, th these years of growth and vibrancy in life, they're ending and you're grieving that. What about if your grandparent died peacefully in their sleep after an incredible life, long life lived, and they know Jesus, and it's been five years, but you still carry that when you get together with your family. Um, there's all types of grief. And, you know, I can feel this way when I walk with Hallie on our staff team, because she was Eden and Vivian's connection group leader, along with her friend, Sarah. I just cried for an hour uh, in the lobby of the Hilton with Mia, Eden's mom. And I can think, well, I, I shouldn't be feeling this sad because you're her mom. What about when I'm looking at Elise and I'm saying, the, uh, Eden's older sister, and I'm saying, I'm a big sister. And I think about you when I text my sister and I'm so sorry. Her loss is way more than mine. But here's what we know to be true about God there's not, it's not true that there's only so much empathy and only so much understanding and care to go around for the people who hurt the, hurt, hurt the worst in the biggest ways. God is a God of endless resource. He is wealthy and he already in his heart looks at your pain and your loss and your grief and it matters to him. It doesn't matter if someone else in this room, the person sitting next to you, has a loss that's different and maybe you think is bigger. Um, so off the bat, we want to say right here, right now, 
you matter, your story matters, your grief matters. It matters to God, it matters to us. And there's enough empathy in God's heart to go around for all of us. Yeah, another thing we just wanna mention is that while grief and trauma often go together, um, they're not the same. So often when you see trauma, you see grief and, and often vice versa as well, but they're not exactly the same. And so specifically in this breakout, what we want to do is we want to focus in and talk about the grief and the loss that we experience specifically as it relates to like losing somebody we love, the death of somebody close to us or the death of things in your life that are dear to you. So we want to talk about that specifically, but if you're somebody here today, who's part of your story is not just grief and not just loss, but also includes trauma. Um, we would just, all three of us would want to say like the best thing you can do is find a great counselor, a great therapist who's able to walk with you through that and to be able to just think through and help you figure out what is it like to carry those things in your body. All three of us have walked with a counselor, with a therapist, and we've all been helped by that. And so we just want to encourage you to, to, to take that step and to move towards that. Um, but for the rest of the time, we're going to talk specifically about grief. And the reason that we feel grief, the reason that we feel loss is because something that we love deeply is, is no longer with us. So I've, I've heard somebody say that grief is a souvenir of love. In other words, the reason that we feel grief is because there was once a space where we love somebody deeply and now that thing or that person is gone. Um, so one of the ways that you could think about why grief and loss is so painful is to think of like a campfire. So I don't know if you've been camping before, that's like a, a big thing that I enjoy doing. But when you're sitting around the campfire, you're able to experience the warmth of the flame. You know, it's kind of great. You're sitting there, you're, you're hanging out. It feels great to be around the campfire. But what happens when you step away from the campfire? It's like immediately it's freezing. You're cold. But it's not just cold. It's like it's actually way worse than if you would have never gotten around the campfire at all. So the, the heat of the campfire actually makes the cold of the night feel that much worse, that much more unbearable. And in a lot of ways, grief is the same way, right? That because you experienced somebody who was close, because you experienced a moment or a thing that you enjoyed or that, that gave you love and that gave you uh, comfort, when that thing is removed, it actually is, it's not just like, like the coldness of the night. It's actually like the coldness of the night when I was around a campfire that's so warm. And so that's why grief and loss hurt and, and are so painful. And so when you and I experience grief, when you and I experience loss, the goal isn't to, to try to run as far away from those things as possible because grief isn't actually the problem, right? Grief is just an evidence that something that you love is no longer there, no longer present. And so rather than trying to run away from the grief, rather than trying to, to run away from the pain, the goal is actually to, by the grace of God, to figure out what does it look like for me to lean into this? What does it look like for me to walk with Jesus through something that's so hard and to figure out what maybe he wants to teach us? And, and one of the things that we've seen as we've walked through grief and as we've walked through loss is that there's things that can actually get in the way of that, that there's actually enemies that, that can rob us of grieving well and that can keep us from walking through grief well. And so we want to talk about those things, the three kind of enemies of grieving well. Yeah, the, the first enemy that we thought of is avoidance. First enemy to our own grief is avoidance. This is where you don't acknowledge your grief, whether that's through a deliberate decision or through just distracting yourself. 
you're choosing to suppress the pain that exists uh, to just try to keep on going without without processing it. And if there was a miss or if there was like an enemy that I am drawn to, it would definitely be the the enemy of avoidance. I'm a person. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm I'm naturally to I'm, I'm naturally slow to feel and to understand what I'm feeling and what I. Oftentimes, I know what I think before I know what I feel, and I have to know what I think about what I feel before I can even enter into the feeling sometimes. And so it can get a, a little complex for me. And so even with June 2nd, as we were walking um, just in a really deeply painful time with our staff, it was like it was hard for me to articulate how I was feeling. I would look around and I would see people expressing their grief through deep, deep emotion, and I, it would feel like, man, to not feel grief and loss in this moment feels like unhealthy and to try to contrive feelings of grief and loss to match other people's feels inauthentic. And so what I found myself doing is just being kind of speechless, just kind of like, I, I don't know what, it, <laughs> I don't know what to say or what, what I'm supposed to be thinking. And so maybe that resonates with you. Maybe your bend is like me. It's, it's avoidance. And Something that's been helpful for me is, is first recognizing that every single one of us, similar to, to what Austin was talking about this morning, all of us are created in the image of God. And a part of what it means to function as a healthy image bearer, a person made in the image of God, is to live in close, loving relationships with other people. And that involves deep emotional ties. It involves friendship, right? Relationships. And so when we lose a person who we had a deep emotional relationship with, that hurts like as a human being, period. Even if, if we don't know how to articulate or express that hurt, uh, something that was once there is no longer there and th there's a loss, right? There's, there's a, a hurt there. And so what I've been trying to learn is that to not avoid and to address my grief and loss doesn't mean I have to completely understand it. Because if I wait... Uh, to understand and articulate every single one of my emotions as I know that grief and loss is there, I'm probably going to end up avoiding it because it's like a, it's a mysterious game, right? To try to figure out what exactly am I, am I feeling if, if my natural bend is toward avoidance. And so what I had to learn to do and what I'm continuing to learn to do is, is to say, okay, this happened. I'm a human being, which means I'm feeling something about this. I'm, I, I may not know what I'm feeling. I may not be able to articulate exactly how I'm feeling about this thing, but, but this happened, and I want to be known by God, and I want to be known by others as I'm processing how I don't know what to say and I don't know what I'm feeling. And so here, community, here's this blob of lack of clarity, which is hard for me to do. It's a vulnerable step, but it's like, I don't know if I'm addressing it perfectly, but I'm not, I don't want to avoid it. So I'm just bringing it to God. I'm bringing it to people. And I think what that allowed me to do is just, it freed me up from the silent waiting of the turmoil in my head, right? Of like, how do I know if I'm doing this the right way? And just like, I don't know, just, this is what it is. Here's the blob. Here's the brick out of my, my, my backpack. And, and that was helpful because it helped people just be like, Hey, we see you. But it also helped me be honest before the Lord. And, and one of the, the prayers that's been um, even this week and even for this moment is, Lord, help my emotions match the moment. I know they're there. I'm an image bearer created in your likeness. I have deep emotional ties with people. I love people. You, you love me. I have emotions. Help my emotions match uh, this moment. 
avoidance is an enemy of Greece and addressing doesn't mean that I'm understanding it completely. It just means acknowledging the reality of what's happened and, and the reality of what I may think or feel about what's happened and bringing that to both God and community. So we thought about different ways of like, man, there's a lot of even noble ways that we can try to avoid the, the deep pain and the grief and loss that's in our hearts. Uh, Nick, there's a, a, the, the way of the enemy of grief called over-spiritualizing. Tell us about that. Yes. So the second enemy of grief is over-spiritualizing. And, and what over-spiritualizing is, is it's when you and I, we jump immediately to the bright side of things or to the spiritual truth without actually acknowledging the pain that we're walking through. And like Graham said, there this one's kind of tricky because it actually can seem really noble in the moment. It actually can seem like the godly thing to do. Um, and even part of my own story is that some of the most pivotal moments in my life were marked by moments of grief and loss. But part of my story is also that I'm really bad at walking through grief and loss. And the reason is because for me at an early age, I learned how to give a theological answer to deep pain rather than admitting that I was sad, broken, or hurting. Right? I got really good at giving the theological answer. So something happens and it's like, well, we know all things work together for good. I'm all right. I don't know what God's doing, but he's going to get the glory, right? You jump immediately to the theological answer rather than acknowledging like, oh, I'm like really hurt right now. Like I'm really broken right now and I just don't know what to think and I'm really sad. But the problem is that when you and I, when we do that and when I do that, it's what it does, it actually keeps us from walking through grief in a healthy way because we're ignoring the fact that we're experiencing grief at all. And instead, we ignore it by looking to the bright side. Now, understand, if you and I never get to the good news, right? If we never get to the fact that God is good and that he's in control, that's probably not okay, right? We need to have a moment in our life where we can say, okay, Jesus, I trust you. That's a good and healthy response. But if the first response that you have in the moment of deep tragedy or hard loss is, but I know all things are going to work together for good, that's probably not healthy either. Because the good news of the gospel, it does give us strength to walk through hard moments. It does give us strength to go through difficult things. It gives us a hope to look forward to in the future, but it doesn't make the loss that we experience okay, right? Uh, one of the people that I love uh, is Jerry Sitzer. He wrote a book on grief and loss, and, and he says this, that the good news that may come out of your loss does not erase the badness or excuse the wrong done. Nothing can do that. In other words, no amount of good news or gospel fruit that happens as a result of the loss that you've experienced makes it okay. That doesn't mean that God's not going to work it out for good. It doesn't mean that he's not going to redeem it. It doesn't mean that he's not going to make all things new. But what it does mean is that what you experience, the loss that you face, the grief that you're walking through isn't okay. And it's not how God designed the world to be. And it's okay to stop there for a long time and just pause and say, this really sucks. I don't like it. It's okay to do that. And actually, God designed you to do that. And so don't, I, this is my bent. I over-spiritualize things. And so the, the second enemy would be over-spiritualizing things. Yeah, the third enemy of our own grief is isolation. This is the enemy of grief that I'm currently the most like upset with and frustrated with because I see it in me and I see it all over um, in Ames right now. And I, j it, it just makes me so mad because I, when people talk out, 
when we finally come together and grieve together and cry together and share what's in your big black backpack. Here's the bricks I have. Um, when we, when you hear the reasons why it, we kept it all alone and carried this huge burden daily, day to day with no one helping you, you can just hear the voice of the enemy. It's not the voice of God. And it just makes me so mad because I mean, I witnessed the most, you know, clear, we, we witnessed the most clear, uh, instance of evil. I hope I ever encounter and to think that we have an enemy who's still trying to like create destruction and now just go hurt from that thing by yourself and no one really cares that much. You'll be a burden. You'll make them feel awkward. It's been, it's been nine months. You shouldn't be crying this much. That is not the voice of a loving God who sees you and knows your pain and cares about it every single second that you're breathing. He cares so much and he's put people in our life as a gift. Um, and I, I've just been mad because I've been isolating because people I love have been isolating from me. I've been isolating from them. And when we finally come out and talk about, um, how deeply we need each other, you can just see it is so powerful to share what is in your heart, even if you're not in the height of emotion about it. I mean, I just told y'all I was bawling. Uh, in the Hilton lobby, like 30 minutes ago, I'm not crying right now. I got, I got a lot of tears out. Um, you don't, you're not always in the throes of your emotions, but that doesn't mean that you're not always carrying the grief that you're now thrown into. And so, um, I want to tell a story about, um, Eden's birthday because it was February 7th. It was recent. And a lot of us were thinking of that day, just like, oh my gosh, like this is, what are we going to feel? And this is so sad. And, and in so many different ways, God just created, it wasn't like someone had the idea outrightly for like weeks in advance. We need to all mourn together. It just kind of like, Oh, this decision became more people. Oh, then now. And suddenly we're at breakfast at 7am with Eden's family, Valerie, Vivian's twin and Eden's best friend is there. Their old connection group is there. Hallie's there. I'm there. You know, we've got like people who are carrying pain. Um, and we're just crying and telling stories and weeping together. And that was like the best moment of the week. I was just talking to Mia. Like that was such a high. Something happened there that was powerful because you're, you're talking with people who care about you and you're actually talking about the person or the thing that you lost and you're remembering if if grief is a souvenir of love remember the love together like it does something for you and we're so prone to think i'm gonna make someone feel uncomfortable i'm gonna be a burden maybe i don't actually have friends that i can go there with and maybe maybe i don't even have good friends at all spiral spiral you know um, someone's going to say the wrong thing. It's going to be too hard to talk about. There's so many ways that we can make the choice. Let's, it's just better not to say anything at all. Um, but I can't explain like the power that came from us crying together. And then, you know, us girls on staff closed out the night of Eden's birthday, um, just celebrating her late at night, um, went to Applebee's. That's where people go after salt companies. And that's where Eden would go after salt. So we went there and be like, cheers to Eden and happy birthday. And, um, which makes you cry because it's so sad. Um, but yeah, it, 
it was like joyful. Like I wasn't, I was expecting, oh, I'm just going to bawl my eyes out this one. And, and we just like laughed because Eden was hilarious. And like Hallie is like the best storyteller I've ever seen. And she was just rolling with like one time Eden, one time Eden. And we're just laughing and celebrating the life of a beautiful girl that's supposed to be here. And it was joyful and it was powerful. And we needed to do that because the lie of isolating is it's going to feel awkward or you're going to like offend someone with your sadness. And no, you're going to bring people who feel like they're walking on eggshells with you because I don't know the sadness you carry. You're going to bring them into it and you're going to get to share the beauty of whatever it is that you lost, a person or a thing. And that's beautiful. And you're going to make the people who are feeling it feel like, yes, that's what hurts me right now. And let's celebrate the love that we lost, not just carry the darkness of grief. So I just want to encourage you guys, if you could, if you could just focus in on one thing, don't isolate. It is not from God. Satan knows that it is so powerful when we get together and are willing to be vulnerable and be courageous and talk about things and be crying so hard you can't keep talking and you know, that's what we need to do. There is power in that because we are filled with the spirit of God and he can, when, um, you know, when, when someone that I love is crying about something and it moves me and I'm crying with them about that loss, they're feeling the presence of Jesus. And when I'm crying and I see people in the crowd crying, I'm like, thank you. Like, Yes, it mattered and we love each other. And I feel the love of Jesus right now because we're grieving together. So just want to encourage you. It takes courage. It takes combating lies, but it is so worth it. The last thing I'll say is just one more quick story is I've seen um, in Ames. I feel like, you know, the gospel is powerful enough to do whatever I, you know, my shame of bad leadership. Amen. The blood of Jesus. Here's the thing. I've just felt like, oh, I can't talk about it on stage at Salt because not everyone was there. Not everyone knew Vivian and Eden. And felt like God like passed me a note on Thursday, like, you're going to talk about it. And I was like, on my way to Salt, like, I don't know. I'm going to make people feel this and that. I feel like in Ames right now, nine months, I don't know, later, we're, we're right now like learning. It's been, I think, nine months. We're learning how to do this. So just be patient with yourself. Like we, we talk to all of salt. Hey, you may not know this is what happened. Here's two girls we lost and we're sad. People came out of the woodwork, not just about, I've always wanted to know about that or thank you for talking about it because I'm so sad and we never talk about it, but also their own grief. I talked to people who lost their mom years ago and who have had, you know, alcoholic abusive dad, like pain came out. And you can't carry that alone. You weren't meant to. So we're literally right now like failing forward of like, how do we learn how to lead ourselves and our ministry um, out of isolation? Because it's so, it's so not it. So want to give you that courage. Um, So we've got avoidance. We've got over-spiritualizing. We've got isolating. Those are the three, what we have learned. We're not experts. We're just in it. And you're in it with us because you're here. We learned those are the three biggest things that rob us of the ways God wants to love and care for us in the darkness that we're in. But what do you do when you're carrying your own grief, but you're looking around at everybody else and they're carrying theirs, or maybe you're not in a moment of grief. And then your friend, something tragic happens in their life, 
a pain enters, thrust them into grief and loss. How do you enter into that? I can say like the way that I respond to people's pain is so different now. I didn't know I sucked at it before. And we're going to talk about how. So the three things we're going to talk about, I did all of them aggressively for years in full-time ministry. So anyways, remember what I said about the gospel being powerful? We need that. So we have three things now we want to talk about. What are three ways now to love somebody else in grief? Yeah, the first way uh, is ask, don't assume. Ask, don't assume. I think... Man, if I've learned anything about grief and loss over the last nine months, uh, it has revealed just how easy it is to carry assumptions about how somebody should be walking through grief and loss when I'm not walking through grief and loss. Assumptions about uh, where the person is at, you know, uh, emotionally with what they're going through, how they're feeling, why they're responding the way that they are, that they should be doing this, or this is how it should look. It's so easy uh, from an outside perspective to have an idea about how somebody uh, should be doing things, to assume that that's the, the right way. And I think it kind of goes back to a little bit of what we've already talked about. One is just understanding that everybody's uh, grief and loss is very unique because every single person is very unique. So even if you have a friend who's walking through something that you personally have walked through, you, like you haven't walked through that thing, the same thing as them. They're the only ones who has walked through what they're walking through exactly as themselves. And so I think what I've had to learn is it takes this sort of discerning curiosity to not assume things when I'm, uh, you know, trying to be a friend or trying to walk with somebody, but to just ask questions and to just listen and to, to be there. And sometimes, uh, that means asking about the event. Sometimes it just means asking about their day, but it takes a prayerful curiosity, uh, to step back and say, I don't want to come into this with assumptions about where this person is and that here's where they should be just to, to say, Lord, help me to, to be the right person. Uh, but sometimes what you'll also learn is that, uh, questions while you're walking through grief and, and loss can be incredibly qu- questions about what you need. If somebody's like, Hey, how can I help you? Suffering just like sucks the life out of you. So oftentimes it's hard to even have the energy to say, well, let me think about what I need so I can tell you how you can help me and what I need. Sometimes as a friend, it says, you know what? I'm kind of sensing questions are an overload right now. So God, is there, is there a way that I can tangibly uh, meet a need? And maybe it's like, go to, you know, the dollar store and get a card and get some, get their favorite candy. Maybe God will start giving you steps. He'll start answering those prayers so you can be the hands and feet of Jesus. But it starts with uh, prayerful, discerning, uh, curious questions, both to the person, but also to God to help meet a needs. Ask, don't assume. Yeah. The second way that you can help somebody and love somebody while they're grieving is speak. Don't be silent. Speak. Don't be silent. So many of us even in this room, probably have experienced the the hurt that comes when you know that other people know you're walking through pain and they just kind of go on with their day like nothing's happening. You know, it's like, you know, somebody close to you passes away and they're like, yo, so how was your weekend? And you're like, are you literally serious right now? Like that's deeply, deeply hurtful, right? And so one of the ways you can love somebody who's walking through grief is say something like speak, don't be silent. It's hurtful when you know that they know, but they don't say anything. And I, I think for a lot of us, like we don't purposely just like hurt people by being silent, right? It's not like we go into conversations with the intent of just making somebody's life 
terrible that day. But what often happens is either we don't know what to say, so we don't say anything, or we're just, we think things like, well, I don't want to make them more sad. Like I already know that they're sad. I know they're walking through a hard week. I don't want to make them more sad. Um, but something we've just learned is like, one, they're already sad whether you say something or not. And, and so just enter into it with them. But then even more than that, like a way that you can love somebody is actually by entering into the sadness with them. Like it's a holy privilege to be able to sit with somebody in pain. And we don't like pain. We don't like grief, but it's a holy privilege to be able to sit with somebody in their pain. And one of the best ways that you can love someone in their grief uh, is just by being willing to enter into the discomfort with them. And so speak, don't be silent. Yes. The third is witness, don't fix witness don't fix um this is the gift of your presence versus your seemingly encouraging words this is the way that i have changed um by going through the grief and loss of our summer um and our year we are so this is a concept that my counselor passed to me we're so uncomfortable especially in america Like other cultures aren't as bad at grief as we are. We're so uncomfortable with sitting in darkness. And when we haven't dealt with the darkness that we have in our life, we're not good at sitting in somebody else's. Like this is uncomfortable. I don't know what to do here. So kind of like the over-spiritualizing part, those kind of like, um, yeah, those Christian messages that God's moved on. It's kind of saying like, okay, let me like help. And well, you know, at least or... Anything that you think the moment someone tells you something sad, well, I'll just put it in a personal sense. What I have always felt, the moment someone is crying and tells me something sad, I'm I'm not like listening and trying to understand the contours of their pain and loss. I'm thinking, as I'm going like this, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what do I say? What do I say? Like, I'm thinking about me. How do I respond the right way? What do I do? What do I say? Should I? No, is it? Okay, make sure I say something about God because I'm a Christian. I don't want to be a bad Christian. Like, if I don't say anything about God, that kind of sketch, like, uh, you can just start to be like, I'm just thinking about me. But I heard on a podcast, um, a therapist say, in grief, we want to be witnessed. You just want somebody to see, again, the, the, the black backpack analogy that I just keep using. You just want someone to see it. It's like you're carrying it. And you. we all deeply want to be known. We were made by God to be known by him and by other people. We crave it. We're built that way. So when you're walking around with grief and some days you're in it, some days you're not, it's complicated. You just want to be seen. And I think what I've noticed is it's hard to do that. It's, e- or it's easy to do that when it happens and you're, you're you know, wearing black at a funeral crying and everyone's in it together but what about like six months later what about two years later what about insert amount of time where you're just like doing your homework and going to class and doing your best to be a functioning adult in society it's like you it's harder to express to people um this is what i've got and this is what i'm going through and when someone opens up to you they just are saying i just want you to know that this is what I have. This is what I'm carrying. Because I've noticed when I've like shared 
and I'll like be like, okay, I'm, ca- I'm assessing. I think this is a safe moment for me to kind of let it rip and let someone know like, yeah, it's not been great. I'm not good this year at all. Like I've been doing very poorly this entire year. Just that's me. Um, and then I get encouraged or, um, you know, try and like make it, make me feel better. It makes me feel worse. Like I, I am sitting in the darkness. I just want you to come in it with me, you know? So I've noticed myself when people, um, there's been people who have experienced other tragedy or I'm, I'm just going to mention again, our Michigan state Spartans, when I've met some of them at this conference, I don't want to tell them about how God's done this and this even nine months later and it gets better. And it, I don't know, February 13th, just because of June 2nd, but encouragement. It's like, yeah, God is so good at this and he's got them. What I tend to say is this sucks. I'm so sorry. That's all that I needed someone to say. If I trusted them enough to share, I just needed to hear, oh my gosh, that sucks. And maybe like, yeah, it does suck. So yeah, in grief, we want to be witnessed, not fixed. So yeah, those are, that's not the answer, the end all be all, but those are three enemies and then three ways that you can love and uh, walk with somebody who's walking in grief. And as we talked about like, man, how do we want to end this breakout session? And there is this verse that came to my mind, um, Hebrews 12, 2. And it's like, I feel like a constant invitation in my grief and loss, which is to keep our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And one of the ways that that has like tangibly looked, what that's looked like for me is there's this like image that comes to my head. You know how if we walk outside and there's like a, a little kid who's like, I don't know, three years old and their, their dad's at the end of the, the hallway. And if the dad is like, like, hey son, run, run across. And the son's like running, is booking across and jumps into the arms of the father. The, the image uh, that comes to my head is like, you know, when, you, when you're a little kid and you jump into somebody's arms who's way bigger than you and way more powerful than you and super gentle and wraps you up. It's like your ear is just so perfectly positioned to the heartbeat of your father. And this image, as I've talked with some of our teammates, Rainer and I have, have talked about this of like, I don't know the right answer. I don't, I may not be able to articulate what I'm feeling or how I'm feeling, but I know that there's this big, strong, gentle, kind, all powerful father who is standing with his arms wide open at the end of the hallway. And he's like, come and have me. And I run and I run and I jump into his arms and my ear is just so perfectly positioned when he squeezes me tight to hear his heartbeat. That even if I don't, even if I'm avoiding my grief, even if I'm trying to make sense of it through some theological jargon, even if I'm wanting to isolate because nobody gets me, it's too much of a burden. I don't want to burden other people. It's like there's a father in heaven who wants to not awkwardly side hug you and give you some, some like God answer. It's like, just come here. And your, your ear is right to his heart. So even if you're avoiding today, Jesus is like, I'm not. Even if you are trying to make sense of this and, well, you know, Romans 8, insert theological answer. Hey, that's okay. We, we can cry. We can weep. Even if you're trying to isolate, he's like, you will never outrun me. He is right here with us. His heart is kind. And if you get close enough and you stay quiet, you get to hear his beating heart over you as you walk through deep pain and suffering. Here's what we know is all of this, like is in the end, 
is Jesus going to redeem all this? Absolutely. And he's going to wipe the tears from our eyes and, and it's all going to, we're going to see clearer that which we see dimly. That is true. But something for all of us to remember as we experience deep human pain of grief and loss is that death is not a part of the design. It's a direct departure from God's good design of this earth. And, and Jesus sits in that with us. Five days after we lost two 21-year-olds in, in our parking lot, I lost, I lost a 93-year-old grandpa. And every single one of those funerals were the most beautiful celebrations of a faithful 93-year-old follower of Jesus and two faithful 21-year-old followers of Jesus, and they all still sucked. Wish I didn't have to do it. There, there's like, yes, Jesus redeems, but he also, the John 11, before he raises Lazarus, he weeps with the people who are weeping over Lazarus' death, even though he, was, he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So as we press our ear to the beating heart of Christ, we begin to find that the love that he has for us in our deep sorrow, in our grief, and in our loss is so deep and so wide that you can't fathom it, that when you wrap your arms around his, knowing he's already wrapped his arms around you, you begin to discover, oh, the, the, the love that I now have to give in grief and loss to other people who are walking with it is so deep and so wide. So I'm going to pray for us. And we actually have some of our staff uh, who are going to stick around and hang out. And so if you just need a space to, to process, we have free time uh, after this. And so if you just need a space to process, if you want a, somebody to pray with you, we'd love to stick around and, and talk with you. But let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll end it. Oh, Jesus, man, you know my prayer. Lord, I, I just want to have your heart. And even when I can't understand or if I feel like, oh, I don't have your heart, how do I feel? And you're like, I love you. And so I don't know where each and every single one of these students is. I don't know what pain they're walking into this room with. But right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you meet them? Would you give them a blanket of peace that surpasses all understanding that guards their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus that's an inexplicable peace that doesn't solve the issue. It doesn't bring back the loss, but it says from a loving father who's big, kind, and strong, I see you and I love you. So Lord, we just press our ears to your heart when we don't know what to do, when we don't know what to say, when we say too much, when we say too little, we, we cast our feet, at, our, our lives at your feet. Lord, bring about healing where healing needs to be brought about. Bring about forgiveness where it needs to be brought about. Joy, peace. Do what only you can do. Thank you, Lord, that you weep with us. We love you so much. Thanks for the gospel that allows us as a community to grieve and to weep and to not weep, but to do it together even in this space, this holy space that you have allowed us to be, um, be in. And so uh, we're at your, your feet, Lord. That's all we know how to do. Would you do what only you can do and bring uh, just healing comfort to our souls? We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.